The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. Buzz Burbank, news and comment. Monday, September 26, 2016. From the one-man worldwide newsroom, this is free and independent news on a commercial-free Monday, made possible when you support the shows and sponsors at buzzburbank.com. As many as 100 million people will be watching tonight as Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump face off for their first debate. The world of sports has lost a couple of greats. More on both stories in a moment, but first, the country seemed to explode with violence over the weekend, none of it apparently related to terrorism. Our violent weekend actually began on Thursday in Athens, Tennessee, along I-75 between Chattanooga and Knoxville. 45-year-old Ricky Swafford was angry as he left after a meeting at his job in an electrical component factory. He returned with a gun and shot two people to death, and then himself. And then Friday evening in Burlington, Washington, well north of Seattle on I-5, a 20-year-old man with a gun walked into Macy's at a big shopping mall. He would kill five people before walking out of that mall. The shooter, now in custody, appears to be Arjan Chatan, born in Turkey, brought here when he was a child. He was under a court order to stay away from guns because of his record of domestic violence against his stepmother. We don't yet have a motive for the killing of random strangers, but police do have his laptop. Arresting Chatan was easy. An officer spotted him on the street, made a U-turn, drew his gun, and took Chatan peacefully. The officer says Chatan was in a zombie-like state. The suspect's family is reportedly cooperating with police. The victims, all but one of them female, include a Macy's makeup artist, a probation officer who cared, a Boeing employee who tried to save his wife from the gunfire dying alongside her, and a 16-year-old girl who had survived cancer. After the bars closed in Boston early Sunday morning, seven people were stabbed in the theater district near Emerson College. One of the seven is in critical condition. Police have a suspect but haven't named them yet. Apparently, a fight broke out after the 2 a.m. bar closings that escalated to knives and broken bottles. Just before that, near the University of Illinois campus, one person was killed and four others wounded after an argument broke out there. Police are still looking for that shooter. Violence beget violence in Baltimore, where eight people were wounded by gunfire in a shooting to retaliate for a shooting two weeks earlier. Among the wounded this time, a three-year-old. Two men with handguns, another with a shotgun, fled on foot. At least one man's been arrested. Other specific suspects are still being sought. Baltimore police are confident the shooting was in retaliation for a Labor Day shooting that wounded two, including a pregnant woman. Even with the release of police videos showing a black man being shot to death by officers in Charlotte, North Carolina, the debate rages on about whether the victim had a gun. Police say they believe he did and found one at the scene. Keith Scott's family and others say he had a book. Officers say they found no book at the scene. They say they did find marijuana, which is why they say they stopped him. And they say Scott failed to obey police commands. There are theories of planted evidence, and the video did nothing to clear up any of these points. If Scott didn't have a gun, there's nothing in the video that shows him to be aggressive toward police. His wife, who stood nearby begging the officers not to shoot, says he was on medication for a brain injury, which is why her late husband may have seemed unresponsive to those police commands. The protests in Charlotte continue, peacefully now, but past the midnight curfew imposed by the mayor and with increasing tension. 
Donald Trump has gotten some debate experience over the past year. He's been in 11 of them, but he's never gone one-on-one before. And for his first, he faces a candidate who's been in three times as many presidential debates. Hillary Clinton has spent days preparing, taking part in mock debates. Trump has been careful to avoid over-preparing and avoiding mock debates. The 90-minute debate tonight at 9 Eastern on dozens of networks could be a game-changer in this campaign, which has the candidates in a virtual dead heat. Newspapers, sadly, are not as relevant as they once were. The same can be said now of their political endorsements. But in this presidential race, there's a message worth hearing in those newspaper endorsements. In their big Sunday editions, the Cincinnati Inquirer and the Los Angeles Times both endorsed Hillary Clinton. The L.A. paper picking a Democrat is not news. The Cincinnati Inquirer is. That's significant since it's been nearly 100 years since that paper endorsed a Democrat. The Midwestern paper called Trump a clear and present danger to our country. Starting with his lack of experience, the normally Republican paper ripped Trump for what it called his reckless cowboy diplomacy. The paper cited the top military and national security officials who are not supporting Trump. The paper endorsed Hillary Clinton for her, quote, calm, thoughtful leadership. We need, said the paper, a leader who'll bring out the best in Americans, not the worst. The L.A. paper called Clinton one of the best prepared candidates to seek the presidency in many years and said electing Trump could be catastrophic for the nation. To name just a few of the others, Clinton's also been endorsed by the Boston Globe, the Des Moines Register, the Detroit Free Press, the Minneapolis Star Tribune, the Miami Herald, the Orlando Sentinel, the Chicago Sun-Times, the Cleveland Plain Dealer, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, and the Houston Chronicle, which hasn't gone Democrat in about a half century. The difference this year is Donald Trump. Trump has now expanded to 21 the number of names he'd consider to fill the vacancy on the Supreme Court. More than seven months after the death of Justice Antonin Scalia, the Senate still hasn't fulfilled its constitutional obligation to fill that empty chair leaving the court hopelessly deadlocked on key issues. The Republicans who control the Senate are hoping that a Republican president would fill the void with someone as conservative as the late Justice Scalia, so it's refused to move on President Obama's replacement choice, moderate Judge Merrick Garland, nominated by Obama more than six months ago. To win over skeptical conservatives who thought Trump might be a liberal in conservative clothing, Trump, at the start of summer, floated 11 names. Over the weekend, he added 10 more, again, all conservatives, as if Trump's base needed any shoring up. The 11 names Trump added this week include five federal appeals court judges, four state Supreme Court judges, and Utah Senator Mike Lee, who clerked under conservative Justice Samuel Alito. Of the 11, Lee has already bowed out of the running, saying he already has the job he wants in the Senate. Besides, Senator Lee backed Ted Cruz in the primaries and hasn't endorsed Trump. Speaking of Cruz, he says it took prayer, careful consideration, and a search of his conscience, but he's voting for Trump on November 8th. As much as he despises Trump, especially for Trump's insult of his wife, Cruz finds Clinton wholly unacceptable, he says. Cruz says he's also delivering on the promise he made to support the Republican nominee. So Senator Cruz is now supporting Trump for what that's worth after angering many Republicans with his refusal to do so at the convention. So far, five people have been granted immunity for cooperating with the Hillary Clinton email investigation. All five were aides to Clinton when she was Secretary of State. Their lawyer says they were never suspected of any crime, that the FBI had assured them of that. They were granted limited immunity, 
in exchange for turning over their laptop computers so the FBI could investigate emails sent to or by Secretary Clinton. The immunity was only for the FBI's investigation, not immunity from any other investigations, including the ones by Congress. But Republicans smell a rat. Oversight Committee Chairman Jason Chaffet says the FBI was handing out immunity agreements like candy, adding that he's lost confidence in the government's investigation. The Trump campaign says it shows Clinton's private email server was, quote, without a doubt, a criminal scheme. Support news and comment with follows, likes, and shares across social media at Buzz Burbank and Michael J. Elston. This is Buzz Burbank News and Comment on the Realm Network. President Obama angered some of the 9-11 victims' families and many Republicans when he vetoed on Friday a bill that would let those families sue foreign governments that proved to be involved in terrorist attacks. Since the vast majority of 9-11 attackers hailed from Saudi Arabia, the Saudi government was high on the family's list of lawsuit targets. But Saudi Arabia is a U.S. ally and, like the others, is protected from lawsuits by our citizens, just as our government is protected from their citizens. So President Obama vetoed the bill. The White House saying to disrupt the currently mutual immunity deals would give foreign governments an excuse to drag our citizens, including our soldiers, into their own courtrooms. Congress, however, is expected to override the veto, and that would be a first for this president. The Republican-controlled House in Washington has passed a bill that would prevent all cash payments to Iran, even if it's money we owe Iran from deals made long ago. Earlier this year, the Obama administration sent Iran $400 million we owed for a weapons deal that went sideways in the late 1970s. Iran had paid the U.S. for weapons but never got the weapons. Decades later, an international tribunal is still trying to sort all this out, but either way, the U.S. will likely have to pay even more. This year, when the U.S. paid Iran a $400 million chunk of its debt, it was the same day Iran released American prisoners, including a Washington Post correspondent. Democrats say it was money owed, never mind the timing. Republicans say the timing makes it ransom, something the U.S. is legally banned from paying. The bill just passed by the House cuts off all payments to Iran at any time for any reason. Even if the bill passes the Senate, it will be vetoed by President Obama, who says such a law would force the country to default on its international obligations. The floodwaters are still rising in some parts of eastern Iowa, and the residents are as ready as they can be. Flood warnings have been issued and may continue to be through the latter part of this week. The Shell Rock River won't fall till tomorrow. The Iowa River won't begin to recede until tomorrow or the day after. The Cedar River crested at 23 feet last night. Some parts of the Iowa River are over 23 feet, 9 feet shy of the 32 feet that did more than $2 billion damage there eight years ago. 5,000 people in Cedar Rapids and other places in eastern Iowa have evacuated while the National Guard protects their empty homes from looters and the Red Cross prepares shelters. Quoting the governor, I hope this week I can proclaim that no lives were lost. Thousands of other eastern Iowans have stacked sandbags or taken other precautions. These are dark days at Wells Fargo Bank brought on by the greed of the bank's own management. The big bank CEO has now been forced to resign in disgrace from a federal banking advisory panel. Senator Elizabeth Warren told him he ought to resign his job, that he ought to be the target of a criminal investigation and be forced to pay back the money his bank swindled from customers. Bank management had set up incentive programs, bonuses, and promotions for employees who opened the most new accounts. 
Employees started opening bogus accounts in real customers' names while the company collected fees and penalties from clueless customers. The company has now ended those incentive programs, been fined $185 million, promised to repay tens of millions of dollars, and fired more than 5,000 employees who set up those fraudulent accounts. But other employees had been fired before that for not meeting the quotas. And now, those ex-employees are part of a class-action lawsuit against Wells Fargo for mistreatment and for job requirements that included committing fraud. Have some iced tea mixed with lemonade today and raise the glass to the man for whom the drink is named. Golf legend Arnold Palmer has died at the age of 87. His fans loved everything he did. Quoting the fellow great Lee Trevino, I used to hear cheers from the crowd around Palmer, and I never knew whether he'd made a birdie or just hitched up his pants. Jose Fernandez tried four times to escape Cuba and once went to jail for his efforts and all of that before he had even turned 16. When he finally succeeded on that fourth try, Fernandez was proud to become a U.S. citizen and one of the best in baseball. The 24-year-old Florida Marlins pitcher died in a horrific speedboat accident Sunday morning, just five days after announcing he would become a father. Fernandez was not wearing a life jacket. Here's your weekly Fandango movie roundup. The Magnificent Seven galloped away with $35 million in ticket sales over the weekend, a satisfying opening at the top of North America's movie favorites. Storks delivered $22 million with Sully flying beneath it, followed by Bridget Jones' Baby. Snowden moved up the chart, now the fifth biggest movie. Blair Witch was sixth, followed by Don't Breathe, Suicide Squad, When the Bow Breaks, and Kubo. For your local theaters and showtimes, previews, tickets, and so much more, and to support this free news, please use and bookmark the Fandango link you'll find at buzzburbank.com. And finally, Celinda Haynes of Hudson, Colorado, your dog is trying to kill you. Ms. Hayes had to be rushed to a hospital last week with a four-inch gash in her arm. Although the staff was skeptical at first, the wound had been put there by her dog, who has an unfortunate fascination with knives. Quoting Celinda, she even pulls them out of the knife block, anything for me to chase her. But a local deputy investigated and concluded the dog is the only possible suspect in the stabbing. Quoting him, obviously we're not charging Mia with anything because she's a dog. I'm Buzz Burbank. Thank you for listening, and thanks for supporting the shows and sponsors at buzzburbank.com. I'll be back tomorrow with another Buzz Burbank news and comment. The preceding presentation was brought to you by the Realm Network.